friends. Welcome to the Mobile Monger Podcast. I'm Janae Muha, your host. I'm continuing the conversations had with cheesemakers from the beginning of the pandemic to get an update on how things have changed a year in. Northern Washington has well over a century worth of history tied to dairy farming. Many of these smaller family farms are part of dairy co-ops for larger dairy brands, but some, like Ferndale Farmstead, were determined to do things differently in an effort to connect consumers to their food source. In today's episode, I talk with Daniel Wavern, a third-generation dairy farmer and cheesemaker that produces Italian-style cheeses from their herd of 680 cows. Regenerative farming is a cornerstone to their business model since they grow the grass and hay used to feed the cows to ensure the highest nutritional value. The milking parlor sits mere feet from the cheesemaking facility, making it some of the freshest cheese you can get. Even through a pandemic, cows continue to produce milk. So how did Ferndale Farmstead deal with the continued pressures of farming life? Let's dig in with Daniel. Farmstead is a family creamery where we make Italian style cheese right here in Ferndale, Washington. Uh, we have about 680 milking head of cows that live on the farm where we make the cheese and we make everything from fresh mozzarella to aged fontina, asiago, provolone, and more. Awesome. Um, so we talked last year the beginning of the pandemic uh, can you tell me what things looked like at that time well pretty much um, the pandemic was at a coincidental time for us it was about at our five-year anniversary as a business so kind of a critical time as a cheese business uh, a lot of cheese businesses that I visited when I was learning about uh, starting a creamery said that it takes about five years to find profit in the cheese industry so um, right around that fifth year should be the time where your company's sort of taken off and the market's starting to recognize the brand and things are starting to look like it will be a sustainable operation and it just happened to be that the pandemic hit at that sort of exact time for our business so at that time we were doing our thing our motto is seed to cheese so we farm about 600 acres of grass here in Ferndale to support the cows that live on the farm. And we do that year in and year out. And that's pretty much an everyday activity for us as dairy farmers. The cows come into the barn to be milked twice per day. And that happens on holidays and on birthdays and on even pandemic days, really. So we're very used to continuing to produce the food um, despite any type of emergency and that's exactly basically uh, what happened back in March of 2020 we received the news like everybody did that um, this pandemic was going to be intensely affecting all of our day-to-day -day lives and as a business we uh, made all the steps necessary to continue to operate and make sure that we can basically keep making cheese and milk and food for all of our customers. Can you uh, talk about what some of the steps were that you did to continue making cheese? Yeah, I mean, for sure, like everybody, we followed the guidelines uh, that the state officials and everybody provided us. 
um, so that we could operate safely. That was our number one priority, obviously, as everybody's was, was to protect their employees. If it was a essential business, which uh, food producers like us are, we had to keep making cheese, even despite sort of the fear that everybody shared around that same time. So I think our first steps were probably to like have a meeting, talk to everybody, and sort of get everybody on the same page in terms of the gravity of the situation and how serious everything was going to be going forward and get everybody on the same, uh, like I said, basically same foot, same page in terms of how to act outside of work as well to ensure that we were protecting each other um, as like a work family uh, if we're going to be expected to to continue to, to come to work as we do uh, normally. And, and so that's what we really did. We had a meeting and just sort of you know talked amongst ourselves about what we felt like personally were the best steps outside of work and also at work obviously um, to make sure that we could actually do what we were being tasked with doing the next kind of phase for us was making sure that our supplies were going to be okay i think like i said we are lucky to produce our own milk in this sense so we were very secure that our primary ingredient as cheesemakers milk would continue to be available um, that's the most important but then also salt is another ingredient that's key for all cheese so making sure our suppliers would have salt for us to continue uh, making the product that's that's pretty critical so uh, we also work with European suppliers and uh, for that reason for like our cultures we have some international supply chain uh, issues that could have arose so we got ahead on ordering, made sure that we had cultures that would last us for the year. And the nice thing about many cheesemakers these days is that we're using direct vat set cultures or freeze dried cultures, and they have great shelf life, like up to a year, even two years. And uh, for that reason, um, we were able to not run out of any of our culture that we bring from Italy, uh, just working with our suppliers sort of right away to make sure that um, there would be enough to, to keep making cheese. I think one of the things that uh, you bring up that I have a question about is the fact that a lot of producers stopped making cheese for a while, but that's not something that you guys could have obviously done because you have cows. Uh, can you talk about what you did to make sure that all of that milk was being used efficiently and actually getting out to the public? Yeah, that's a great point, Janae. We are a fresh cheese maker. So we as a fresh cheese business, since we do make fresh mozzarella, we have to keep going in production. It's uh, kind of like the cows that produce milk in a sense and that every day the animal has to be milked. It's, it's a physiological need. It's not an option for us as humans. So um, cheese is a little different. If you make aged cheese, it's a store of milk. So you can take some of the milk from the cows and store it for long periods of time. Fresh cheese has a very short shelf life in most cases, and for that reason, you have to make it to order basically every week. So we had to keep producing every week our fresh mozzarella, and in order to make sure that all of our milk was being used appropriately, we worked with our, our, our customers, rather, and sort of talked to them about what their predictions for their use would be, if things would be going down and, or going up, and all of us kind of had a big question mark at that time, like what was going to happen? Uh, we all knew people still have to eat, but um, the question is sort of what we're going to people uh, start buying and choose not to buy 
in a pandemic. Yeah, because at the beginning of the pandemic, I think everybody was buying a lot of cheddars and Parmigiano Reggianos and things that were going to hold for a while. Um, did you see a big drop in sales specifically for your softer cheeses in that realm? Um, or were people still buying those fresh cheeses, do you think? We lost entire distribution channels when the pandemic hit just due to the impact on fresh cheese. So uh, it was a huge change for us. And the, the customers that were hit the hardest were restaurants. We service pizzerias and we service Italian style restaurants and really all different type of restaurants that use our cheese in culinary applications. So when the pandemic hit and these businesses were shut down, like I said, entire distributors stopped picking up cheese from us temporarily. So uh, those customers were the ones hit immediately and it did shift people's um, purchasing habits of cheese significantly, in my opinion, away from like food service, like restaurants and towards grocery, more like retail grocery stores and co-ops. Did you guys uh, delve more into your aged cheeses, like start producing more of the harder aged cheeses instead of the fresh mozzarella? We did, exactly. Yep, that's that's exactly what cheesemakers try to do is pivot based on production needs. So when our orders dropped for mozzarella, rather than lay off our employees, we just started making aged cheese that we hope to sell one day. And so cheese is a kind of a cool store of milk in that way and that it's a store of money as well and it's a way to sort of leverage the wages that you have to pay your employees your cheesemakers and for the milk that you have to purchase on some sort of future sale that can that can hopefully be arranged um, so a lot of the people that I've been talking to are manufacturers and also have like a retail side of things y'all don't have that obviously did you guys do any direct-to-consumer shipping or any sort of e-commerce, anything like that? What we did was work with people that are set up to do that already. So we really started working more exactly with CSAs. We saw those businesses shoot up in popularity, and then our orders from them shot up as well. So, yeah, the CSAs really stepped up, and people started buying online. Uh, quite a bit more so it's like Instacart actually started becoming a thing for us even as a small cheese artisan producer um, you can find our products on Instacart and that was kind of a surprise to me for sure which really coincidentally was I think prompted by the pandemic in in some ways so uh, that did happen mail order we worked more with people that are already doing farm products that sell uh, to their wine club or to their whatever buyers club um, even if they weren't CSAs per se like something kind of like that we tried to work with those people that have mail order channels already so we avoided um, doing any of that and it really worked well for us and I think it worked well for our partners too it, it gave them something to do and stay busy and uh, that business has actually been sustained sort of as the pandemic has uh, sort of come down and, and things are getting closer back to normal, people are still buying through those mail order channels. So it did kind of, I think at, at the moment, it seems like somewhat permanently affect people's, uh, you know, buying habits for cheese. 
a lot of producers had issues with uh, a cut to, and wrap situation. You guys tend to do smaller portions and do a lot of that stuff on site, right? We do. Yeah, we do like wedging on site. And uh, so we don't have, yeah, a retail cheese shop or anything like that. We don't do a lot of the mail order or cut to order stuff for special stuff. We, we are able to, but it's not a big part of our business. We focus on uh, distributor orders and then just a local delivery route here basically in Bellingham in Whatcom County uh, but we allow our distributor partners to help us get get down to the city and get the cheese out from there and they did a very good job being able to do that uh, week to week so we were very lucky I would say is like a distribution focused business um, because I also do farmers markets as like my side gig on the weekends uh, as like a personal thing for fun, but also for money. And uh, my wage took a pretty significant hit just because my two farmers markets I do every other week throughout the summers for the last two years were were shut down. So, um, yeah, I think it affected all of us to some extent. On average, you tend to make more like pre-packaged fresh mozzarella like you don't make a whole lot of 10 pound wheels so i think that's what um a lot of producers are having problems with of like having a 10 pound wheel and if you don't have a cut and wrap facility like a, the ability to do that it can be really difficult to transfer that into a retail market um so you guys were already pretty well established in the local retail um how far out did that reach during the pandemic or was it kind of really sequestered in the local realm it was really local we were really lucky to be working with our local partners like hagen qfc safeway uh new seasons markets town and country markets all of the retailers from basically whatcom county to king county all the way to you know the southern washington border into oregon um all of these retail chain co-op type uh, grocery stores that supply healthy local food to the Puget Sound region and beyond really were the ones that we saw step up and buy even more cheese. Uh, and that was a huge surprise for, for us, obviously. We were really worried at the fifth year mark in our business that this would sort of tank the business. But the strength of the local food system, I think, really saved our business. And seeing all of our partners... Um, as well as restaurants as when they could you know continue to buy local uh, has been one of like the most inspiring parts of being a cheesemaker for the last 10 years for me the, the last six years that we've been doing this business and then even before um, the local food thing is really what uh, got me excited about doing cheese and and certainly the market likes doing small cheeses and selling small cheeses so you're right about your point with the 10 pound wheels and 20 pound wheels it can be kind of difficult, honestly, in the United States to sell these formats that are typically coming from Europe. Um, in that size, it's a little bit harder where they have cut and wrap operations uh, to break these cheeses down. A lot of smaller American producers don't. So it makes it harder to get some of the, the better cheeses, the aged cheeses, the complex flavors to the people um, when you're really trying to do something kind of authentic and old world. Do you think 
that because you tend to make more along the lines of cooking cheeses, that that also better positioned you for the pandemic too? I really do. It's something I, I preach about any chance I get, and you just gave me one. But I think cheesemakers, uh, you know, really benefit when they focus on cheeses that are used in everyday applications, like culinary applications is what I say. Uh, because we cook in the kitchen every day, whether that's out at a restaurant where we're buying our food um, or whether that's a McDonald's, believe it or not, like every food choice, every meal we we make three times a day, we're putting our dollars somewhere. And that's either in a local supplier's hands or in in somebody else's hands. And whenever you buy local cheese, whether that's at a restaurant that uses local pizza cheese or local mozzarella on their pies or at a grocery store that supports the local goat farmer um, or fresh mozzarella maker, you're really supporting your neighborhood, your community here in the Puget Sound in the Pacific Northwest. So uh, I really encourage cheesemakers to look at that when they're when they're making their cheeses or selecting which cheeses to make trying to make cheeses that that are used every day um at either a restaurant level or at a home level like what do you cook with it's it's you know it's pretty basic stuff usually right there's something to be said about that gooey brie that just you know slops all over the place but to have a really good fresh mozzarella to elevate your salad is is primo also exactly yeah, we love to do the the hard age stuff, but sometimes the fresh stuff uh, gets you there, and you and it's fun to do both for sure. I'm a big proponent myself of fresh cheeses because, to me, I think it's the truest expression of milk. And when you have really good milk, you can have a really good fresh cheese. Absolutely, yep. As as farmers, we would definitely agree with you on that, Janae. I think uh, fresh cheese is the best way to highlight the quality of the milk the delicacy of the milk and you know cheesemakers really know you cannot hide from the quality of the milk you're using behind fresh cheeses Um, if you're not adding any flavor or smoke and it's just a fresh cheese that's the delicacy of the milk that should be coming through and especially in the finish i find the lingering flavor after you eat a fresh chev or a fresh mozzarella or fresh anything really should tell you like the the farm that it came from how did your holidays look last year they looked different for sure um we were lucky to have some of our partners run buy one get one sales and some cheese sales that that helped us maintain volume Um, but they certainly look different than than years past um you know, we, we were so focused, I think, on the, the events at hand. I guess I don't even really remember the holidays, to be honest. <laughs> that sounds bad, but... Uh. It was a different... Yeah, it's a different year for everybody. And honestly, I keep calling last year the lost year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we are going into y'all's busy season with fresh mozzarella and summer, even though this weather, as it's raining here in the Pacific Northwest um, doesn't re- <laughs> reflect that. Yeah, but summer is coming. Um, are you optimistic about this summer? Do you think more people are going to be out and about? And so creating more caprese salad boards or 
What do you think for the summer? I am optimistic about this summer. I think last summer people were really held in. And this summer, now that vaccinations are coming out and, and regulations are opening up, I think people are looking for excuses to go outside, be with friends and family, get back to normal. And food is a staple sort of uh, hinge in all of that, if you will, or, or it's a it's a necessary hinge in all of that. So I think we'll see, hopefully our sales go back to normal, especially with, like you say, tomato season this year being less affected by the pandemic. Um, and it's another one of those great foods that, that comes from local farms and, and should be really unaffected. So I'm hoping it's a normal mozzarella caprese season with lots of margarita pizzas for everybody everywhere. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, did you um, come up with any new ideas or new cheeses over the last year? Did you have some time to play? Because I know that you're a bit of a tinker when it comes to those sort of things. You know, we did. We focused a lot on sort of our our internal stuff. So sort of we worked on some of our policies, a lot of our documents. We did our computer work that we've been putting off for, you know, a couple years. That was the first thing. And then worked on packaging stuff a little bit, which is not very interesting or fun, but we do have some cool kind of packaging changes coming up. And we did add on a couple more unique styles of cheese. Um, we brought on a new size of mozzarella over the last year, the ovaline size, which is like an egg shape, kind of egg sized ball of mozzarella in water. Uh, so that's great for mozzarella season, as you just mentioned. Uh, so try to check that one out in the stores if you can. Is there anything else about Ferndale Farmstead that you want people to know or understand about what you guys are doing? Um, I would say we got a lot covered in our conversation, but I would just reiterate that, you know, we're your Northwest fresh mozzarella makers and we really enjoy making these Italian style cheeses for you and your kitchen, for your family, um, for your kids. They're safe and they're healthy for everybody. So I would say come up and visit the farm and see what we're doing. Again, our philosophy is a seed to cheese approach. So we literally plant the grass in the spring and harvest it throughout the year, feed it to the cows here on the farm. And we're making cheese five days a week right now, thanks to you. So uh, please continue to support local cheese and uh, we'll see you around. Thank you so much. I consider myself lucky to be able to indulge in some of the highest quality Italian cheeses made outside of Italy, where almost every ingredient comes from my proverbial backyard. The Pacific Northwest has always had a strong local scene, but I think the pandemic really highlighted that need with the brightest fluorescent marker. Imports came to a standstill, but our local foodstuffs were still thriving, and their proximity made the pivot easier to manage. I hope that people keep that consideration for the long term. Thanks to Daniel for joining me today and for continuing to create the highest quality products. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha, with a supporting feature role by my husband, Ben Muha, contributing on editing and music. To support the show, please find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Mobile Monger. For cool extras and to financially support the continuation of this podcast, please consider contributing to my Patreon. There you'll find the full video recording of the conversation, discount codes for merch in my online shop, get a sneak peek at the next guest, and even submit questions for future episodes. 
Thanks for listening. And remember to keep spreading the word of good courage.